The following talk was given by Bear Gokon Bonabakar at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokon is a senior monastic and Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He serves as director of operations at Zen Mountain Monastery and also helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Um, so I wanted to return to the song of Zazen that we chanted yesterday in the Zendo. And so first I'm going to read it to you. So this is the song of Zazen from Hakuin Zenji. From the beginning, all beings are Buddhas, like water and ice. Without water, no ice. Outside us, no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water crying, I thirst. Like the child of a rich parent wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. How can we be freed from the wheel of samsara? The gateway to freedom is Zazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Observing the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds, and the way of right living all come from Zazen. Thus, one true Samadhi extinguishes evils. It purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And if we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self. We go beyond ego and past clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three, straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form. In going and returning, we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought. Our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land and this very body, the body of Buddha. In the Uttara Tantra Shastra, which is a text that speaks about Buddha nature, says about Buddha nature, there is nothing in this that needs to be removed. There is nothing that needs to be added to this. When you look at that which is genuine in a genuine way and you genuinely see it, you will be liberated. From the beginning, all beings are Buddhas. Outside us, no Buddhas. This very body, the body of Buddha. And Hakuin refers to this story from the Lotus Sutra of the child of a rich parent who 
doesn't know, doesn't know that their parent is rich, doesn't know that they have wealth actually with them. In the Lotus Sutra, this, the story is that this person, while they were asleep, their friend sewed a precious jewel in their coat and then left in the night. And so this person had great riches right with them, but went wandering, looking, trying to find work, sustenance, suffering along the way. And I've always wondered a little bit, like, why the friend didn't leave them a note. (laughs) (coughs) But it's a good story, right? We wander thus, not knowing. Not knowing that we have what we're looking for. Not knowing that we don't need to wander, we don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to go looking down these dark pathways across this earth. There is a yearning for peace, for belonging, for satisfaction, for wholeness. There is a fundamental yearning in us. Touching this, I think, is is bodhicitta. Not fueling it, not adding to it, not making it kind of wallowing in it, in our pain, but touching our suffering, being in touch with that, knowing that, not being afraid of that. And I was thinking how for some of us this is, kind of comes out as a, as, a, as a basic aversion, or just comes out as aversion. For some of us it's, it's a wanting, a looking for in things and experiences and relationship, knowing that they're knowing that we can find that. We must be able to find that. And for some of this, this comes out as aversion, kind of manifest as aversion. Nothing is it. Nothing does it for us. Nothing is satisfying. Nothing is good enough. We're not good enough. Kind of two sides of the same thing. And so not knowing, not knowing how to find it, we wander. We wander in samsara, in the bewilderment of samsara, the confusion of samsara. And samsara is not outside of us. You know, I think we hear samsara and it sounds like, oh, that's like when I leave the monastery and go home back into samsara. Right? Or when I leave Sashin and I go back on the internet into samsara. It's not outside of us. It is this bewilderment of how do we find satisfaction? How do we find peace? How do we find rest? And samsara is is understood, seen to be circular. It's like we're stuck in this wheel because we're confused. And so feeling dissatisfied, 
feeling a lack, feeling this a yearning, we turn to something that gives us some satisfaction, that gives us some pleasure, that makes us feel, maybe makes us, seems to make us feel that wholeness for a moment, for a while. And then it passes, it wasn't, that wasn't it. And so in our disappointment, we turn again to something else, or maybe to the same thing, and it disappoints again. It gives us some pleasure, it gives us some comfort, and then it disappoints. Or in our dissatisfaction, we're angry, we're hurt. And then seeing the world through that hurt, through that anger, maybe we cause pain, Maybe we act out of that anger. Maybe it's just that out of that mind of anger, nothing looks good. We just are seeing through our anger. And so we're hurt, we're hurt again, continue to be hurt. And the anger continues. It is not outside of us. It is very close. And sometimes it is kind of obvious, and it can be very subtle. It is constant. We are in this world, this whirl, this circle, this searching. Zen is a path of direct seeing, of taking direct experience as the path. And so this is a path of learning what that is, of coming into contact with our direct experience, finding our direct experience. And so in doing zazen and working with the breath, sometimes it's hard to find the breath, just to come into contact with the breath. That can take some time, some looking. And then staying in contact We know that can be difficult, and we stay in contact. All of the different practices that we do are kind of inviting us to make contact with just our direct experience. Not an idea about it, not a right way or a wrong way, just direct contact, direct experience. And so this is why working with the mind, calming the mind, allowing the mind to settle and stabilize is so important. So there's just, there's space to see, there's space to feel, there's space to make contact, to be inside of ourselves. And as we do work with the mind, as the mind settles, It's like everything settles. Things settle. We're developing concentration. Akwin talks about zazen samadhi. Samadhi is complete investment. Just the breath, just awareness. What is this? We're being invited 
Akman's inviting us. What is this Zazen Samadhi, this complete investment, giving ourselves completely? In cultivating concentration, we talk about stillness, quiet. Also, it's one of the kind of traps in Zen. I think there's a sort of current term of talking about shadows. It's like this is one of the shadows of Zen. Thinking that we're just trying to be quiet. That that's the goal, to have no thoughts. I was remembering, I read something, a, a, um, a Dharma teacher who was explaining that there's just this place in, in Zazen where there's just, just the right amount of kind of sleepiness, just quite the right amount of, it's like a mix of sleepiness and attention. And that like, you just have to like find that place and keep it. That's the, that's the shadow side, right? It is not a state that we are creating. It is not dull. It is not just quiet. Dazen is alive. It's aware. It is not always the same. It changes. It moves. It's different from one period to the next, from one day to the next. Concentration and mindfulness. We need mindfulness. We need to be aware. We're learning. We're seeing. We should be seeing. And so as our mind settles, if we're paying attention, more is revealed to us. And maybe just more thoughts. It will be more thoughts. It may be emotions, uncomfortable emotions. It may be rapture, wonderful feelings, peace. All of that coming and going. And the importance of seeing that, seeing everything in our mind. Akman talks about dissolving obstructions. I was remembering a conversation a long time that I overheard in the dish room where a resident was um, asking a more senior resident, how do you see Mu? I can't control my thoughts. How do you do it? And the other resident said, no, you're not trying to control your thoughts. You kind of need your thoughts. That's the way in. The barriers. That's the way in. That's the way through. What is the barrier? He says, when we dissolve our obstructions, then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? Right? Which should raise the question, well, what... But what about these dark paths? What about these ways that I go astray, these ways that I get stuck? What are they actually? Why do we go down them so often? What draws us? Look closely at that. So direct experience, to actually make contact to trust that and learn to trust that. Body, breath, sensations, emotions, 
direct contact, direct seeing, direct experience. Part of that emphasis in Zen is because understanding doesn't have the power to untangle our bewilderment in the way the direct experience of our mind does. I'm paraphrasing some teachings from Thrangu Rinpoche. Understanding is helpful. We study, we hear the teachings. It's helpful to have some understanding of what's happening in our own experience of our own self, our own mind. So we hear over and over again about samsara, the Four Noble Truths. This is where suffering, how suffering arises. That's helpful. It's like that kind of gives us some guidance, like a map. But then we take that and we go and look for ourselves. Because that's what will untangle the knots of our bewilderment. Untangle the knots of our suffering, of our dissatisfaction. Understanding sometimes arises in zazen. It's like you kind of understand something and then you want to think about it and talk about it to yourself. Or you want to go talk about it to someone else. I do it all the time. It happens all the time. It's very seductive. And then there's a way in which I think, you know, it's not unhelpful. And then to let that go. Let that go. That is not it. That is not it. As soon as you start talking about it, it's not it. And it's kind of keeping you, holding you out, away, separated. Understanding is helpful. We can apply it. Understanding our own habits is helpful. Shugan Roshi has been talking about how, um, you know, this, this aspect of mindfulness that is remembering remembering our own experience of our own mind because then we can apply it something that we've seen about our own mind then in another in another moment where we're having a similar reaction when we're upset again when we hear ourselves criticizing ourselves again we remember oh i've done this before oh i've had some insight into this this is old This is a habit I have. This causes me suffering. Understanding cause and effect. Earlier this week, Shugen Roshi was talking about the, um, a quote from the Buddha, from the sutras, where he says, it is, karma is, is so complicated and subtle. We can't understand it all. I think he was saying, you know, we shouldn't, that's, we don't need to, we shouldn't, we don't need to try to understand all of it. We're not going to. But understanding, trusting, knowing this law of karma, of cause and effect. Nothing arises independently, just out of nowhere. It seems like it sometimes. A flash of anger that comes in your belly or just a thought that comes up in zazen, it seems completely random. 
Where did it come from? But it is a result of causes and conditions. Nothing arises independently, nothing exists independently. And so knowing that, we can use that. When strong desire arises, any desire arises, we can know that's conditioned. I was thinking about the, um, um, the hot sauce downstairs. And people get so excited about the hot sauce and like, there's this new hot sauce that came in and someone made this special hot sauce. And I'm like, ugh. Right? It's not, the, it's not the hot sauce. Different causes and conditions are coming together in me and in those other people. That just like gives us a little question. Where did it come from? What is that? Maybe it's not as real as I think it is. With anger, again, it doesn't just come from nowhere. It doesn't come from the outside. Not completely. So I've told this story before. Long long ago, there was a young fellow here who was working in residence and working around the grounds and eating these candies and then leaving wrappers all over the place. And I was really irritated by that and had all kinds of stories about him and judgments of him. And every time I would be walking somewhere and I would see a wrapper, right, that would arise in my body, get upset. The stories would start about him. And I talked to him about it downstairs in the dining hall, I think like over lunch, other people heard it, heard my annoyance. And later that day, I opened my locker and there was a candy wrapper in my locker and I had the same reaction. And then later this other resident said, hey, Gokhan, did you find something in your locker today? And it was really a helpful teaching, right? It's like, different, I had the same reaction, and it wasn't what I thought it was. A while ago, um, Shugan said something and sort of was correcting us, correcting, well, I took it as correcting me, but really just correcting us monastics about something, and I got so upset, so upset. And I told Shona about it later, and she was like, you know, just so you know, I didn't have any reaction at all. (laughs) I was like, oh. Right? So it wasn't what Shugan said. Not entirely. Right? The candy wrappers were part of what was happening for me. Right? It's not all of it. This text that I've been reading, Thronga Rinpoche, he said that, he says that tranquility, so calming the mind, right? The kleshas are difficult emotions. They calm. They calm. But they don't go away entirely. We can't liberate them, see through them, 
be freed from them just from calming the mind. It takes insight. It takes insight. Understand, direct understanding. And that really this is what we're, this is what we're working with. Is how do we, how do we liberate our, um, so in the teachings, our kleshas, our difficult emotions, are sometimes called defiling emotions, obscuring emotions. I think we could say confusing, bewildering emotions. Because they're such a, they're like, they're integral to our suffering. They are our suffering. The kleshas are greed, so desire, grasping, wanting, anger, just fear, all kinds of aversion, not wanting, pushing away, ignorance, which I think can be helpful to understand as confusion. It is this confusion of samsara. It is not understanding how things are. Jealousy, of the forms of jealousy and pride. And so again, we see these sort of in big ways, right? So that flash of anger in my belly, and we see it in small ways. It is very subtle. It is sort of all the way down. So some students work with a faith mind poem, a Shugan Roshi in particular. It says, the great way is not difficult when there is no picking and choosing. When there is no grasping and aversion, there is no struggle. What is that? How is that? How do we experience that? The great way is not difficult. The way is not difficult. There is no struggle. And of course, sometimes they're complicated. The kleshas, our emotions, our difficult emotions. And they're complicated because the causes and conditions are complicated or, or, or many-fold. When I'm upset, you react to that. You may get upset. You may get defensive. When you're upset, I may want to make you feel better. I'm worried about that. Or I get defensive. I feel like I've done something wrong. You react to that. Someone else reacts to that. What's happening? How do we work with that? How do we dissolve that? What's there? What's there that we're reacting to? What are we actually reacting to? Sometimes we're reacting to our own reaction, right? I'm angry and I don't want to be angry. This is uncomfortable. I want to get away from this. This must be someone else's fault. Or here comes that fantasy again. And I know that I don't want this, right? There's nothing there. It doesn't give me satisfaction. I know that. I've seen that before. How come I can't let it go? How come it keeps coming back? This is the path of direct seeing. To look closely. We're not trying, don't push it away, don't shut it out, don't cut it off. Don't fight with it. You just look directly, just experience it directly. 
when you're upset and there's a story, or when there's a fantasy that's pleasurable and, you're, and there's a story, can you look below that? What's the feeling in your body? Thoughts and feelings go so closely together. To feel into, to look into what's actually happening. What's there actually? Say so Zen is a path of gentleness. The ancient masters don't say this explicitly. But don't grasp, don't crave, don't push away, relax the mind, be gentle. Stop fighting with yourself, with the world, with each other. Be gentle. Why is it so hard for us to be gentle with ourselves, with each other, with the world? This is another kind of shadow side of Zen. I remember years ago, was, um, I was starting to sit monitor and um, was finding in myself, um, starting to find some gentleness to see that that's what I needed, to see, seeing how much I had not been gentle with myself, gentle with others, gentle with the world. And so saying that, offering that in the Zendo, I remember one of my Dharma sisters saying, her reaction was like, oh no, I can't. Ah. Why is it so hard for us to be gentle? to see that that actually is the way. It does not not mean that there is not great effort. You know, Hakuin himself, there's a story of him sitting and jabbing himself in the leg when when he would fall asleep so he could stay awake. Not so gentle, right? That is part of our tradition. And he's singing to us about zazen. Shivan was talking about joyful effort. Effort doesn't have to be enthusiasm for practice. Enthusiasm for meeting the rigors of practice, for meeting the difficulty of our mind, of our conditioning the places where we're stuck. Because knowing that they can be unstuck. Someone this morning was talking about practice and just saying it's kind of mysterious. It's kind of mysterious. Earlier this week I was in Dokusan asking Shugan about how to help someone. To help students, I'm learning. I'm learning to do interview, to meet with people in interview. And he had some things to say, and then he said, but you know, everyone has to find their own way. Right? And I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> right. We each have to find our own way in our own, our own body and mind the solitude of our cushion, 
the solitude of our own experience. There's help, there is sangha, and we have to find our own way. Give me a second here and then I'm going to sing to you to end. Akuman's Song of Zazen. From the beginning all beings are Buddhas like water and ice. Without water, no ice outside us, no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water, crying, I thirst. Like the child of a rich parent wandering poor on this earth we endlessly circle the six worlds the cause of our sorrow is ego delusion from dark path to dark path We've wandered in darkness. How can we be freed from the wheel of samsara? The gateway to freedom is zazen samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana, observing the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from zazen. Thus one true samadhi extinguishes evils, it purifies, Karma dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And if we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self, 
we go beyond ego and past clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form, in going and returning, we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi! How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom! What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land. And this very body, the body of Buddha. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.